Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna Rosen. Enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity, transformation, and the divine. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Blind Love Radio. This is your host, Anna Rosen. And today I am talking to evolutionary astrologer, Sabrina Monarch. You can find her on Instagram to connect with her at Sabrina Monarch, like the butterfly. And definitely check out her awesome podcast, Magic of the Spheres. And I just cannot say enough good things about her. We had a lot of fun talking about our natal charts and the way that we embody astrology. Um, and I love, I loved all of these very practical tidbits that she mentions of how you can really um, look at astrology and use it um, in the really the highest and best way for your soul's evolution. Um, so I had so much fun talking with her. I know you guys are going to love this conversation and definitely check out her work, check out her podcast, and I hope you guys are being really kind to yourselves During this full moon, I'm recording this on the full moon in Sag um, while the sun is in Gemini. And I feel like shit's been real, guys. Um, I talk about it in this podcast that my north and south nodes, my south node is in the ninth house, which is Sag, and my north node is in Aquarius. Um, but in the third house, so that would be Gemini, and, you know, I feel like that's been really lit up, and all of these, um, opportunities for growth are happening, and it can be really hard to grow. It's uncomfortable, and, you know, sometimes you need to make sacrifices for growth, right? Um, and when that happens, I think being really kind to yourself amongst that grief, um, because life isn't always peachy, right? We all, um, everybody can relate to that, but, like, how can we, how can we caretake ourselves when, um, that's the case so we can, you know, be our be our biggest ally and not abandon ourselves um, when we really need it most and how can we really show up for ourselves. So that's kind of the work that I'm doing currently Um, and I feel like a lot in my life is changing and evolving and it's so beautiful and I'm I'm trying to stay grateful and present for all of it um, because I really do have so much to be grateful for and I'm really grateful that you guys are listening Um, and I really hope that maybe something in this conversation can set shed some light on maybe something that's going on with you 
or even just like you get a little tip that will make you understand yourself a little better and I feel like when we just gain that awareness about ourselves like light can come in um into a very I'm like thinking of like just like everything with Pluto like light can transform um and I feel like awareness of the self can transform um so I'm just kind of rambling but I hope if this has been challenging if this is a challenging full moon um I'm just sending you a lot of love and know that you're not alone um and if this is an amazing time for you then hell yeah that's awesome more kudos to you and you know just sending love to all you guys thanks for listening and enjoy this podcast with sabrina see you on the other side So we're here on Blind Love Radio, so why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Sabrina Monarch. Thank you for having me, Anna. Yeah, so you're an astrologer. Right. Yeah, I'm an evolutionary astrologer. So how did you get into that? Hmm... Well, I started out as a kid being into astrology, and my mom gave me a zodiac calendar when I was I think eight years old and I never questioned if astrology was real or not I read about being an Aries and it seemed really fun so I was just into it and then when I was a teenager I discovered the natal chart and I researched my chart on cafeastrology.com and I hung out in the astrology aisle at Barnes and Noble and I was pretty mesmerized and my mind was blown because I could see people acting out their archetypes And that was when I realized that not everyone was into astrology (laughs) because I would get the feedback of like, oh, that's not real. Or like, not everyone born in the same month is going to have the same personality, blah, blah, blah. So I'd be like, no, astrology is complex and whatever. But um, then I, you know, I kept getting deeper into it. And in 2012, I had a pretty extreme spiritual awakening experience And when I wanted insight or guidance about it to find answers and to make sense of what I had experienced, I consulted an evolutionary astrologer who I had known in my college town. And it was just so insightful. And I didn't know how he was getting that information about me. I'd read my own chart for years and I didn't know how he was making these conclusions. So I realized that I had to study and I ended up studying with him. And that opened the door, really, after that to begin to form my own astrological interpretations. So I'd say that's how I got into it. I love that. And I feel like when you go through something, like, really intense, like, being able to, like, look back astrologically is so comforting. Like, knowing that there was, like, a transit. I don't know. Right. And even while it's happening, Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Like, knowing, okay, this transit is going to end soon. (laughs) It's okay. Right. So how did you, like, start studying it? Like, did you, like, just start looking at, like, your daily transits or, like, I don't know. Do you have, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My methods when I first started, you mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, 
Yeah, so I always was looking at the transits that I was having, and I was also trying to discover how to embody my own natal chart. And I learned about law of attraction and prayer at the same time that I was getting deep into astrology. So I would pray to the universe, God, source, like I had different ways of addressing the universe and still do, like depending on my mood. And I would ask for feedback or like a sign about like, how can I embody my sun more? How can I embody my Venus more? Or what is the nature of Venus? So it was always this kind of conversation with the beyond. And of course, then studying and reading what other astrologers have said and tuning in with my own intuition. But I think that intuition is a, a form of prayer. It's connecting with the beyond. So it was figuring out how to sense the planets in a really internal experiential way and then tracking correlations so you can really work with the moon for this because the moon changes signs every two and a half days so while the moon is in a certain sign it's filtering the perception of earth through that sign like right now the moon is in scorpio while we're recording this and it's conjunct my pluto exactly um, so I just notice those things and then I see what it feels like. So it's kind of like, um, it felt like knowing that something was happening and then just walking out into life and seeing what's today going to be like with the moon conjunct Pluto, you know, sounds a little bit treacherous of an aspect, but I'm comfortable with it now. <laughs> Maybe when it first started out, that would be when I had more paranoid thoughts come up. And I'd be like, wow, I'm feeling paranoid. Well, the moon's conjunct my Pluto. So then I would work through that and try to imagine what's another expression of moon Pluto that might be more enjoyable and add that into my day on purpose. And so then I learned that the planets are really like multivalent is a word for it, where they express across a spectrum of possibility. So you can play with what experiences you're going to have, knowing what the transits are, but then picking up correlations and then also participating with the transits based on your own creativity. So it's, it's a total adventure, really, I think, to track astrology. I love that. That's so fun. It reminds me of, like, tarot with being able to, like, embody the different archetypes. Um, and I feel like with astrology, I kind of, like, I feel like I'm generally a novice, but... Like, the idea that we are, like, we have our own natal chart and we're made up of these planets, like, the same components. Um, and it's not necessarily something that's, like, happening to us, but that we're a part of it also. So it's, like, we can change it. And it gives you, like, so much more power instead of, like, feeling like you're a victim of the circumstances. It's like exactly. a great tool that you can like transform your life. It's so cool. Yes. Yeah, that's totally it. So, okay. So I have a question from my sister <laughs> randomly, but we were going over like secondary progressions. Can you, do you like have any idea about like what that is and like, um, I don't know, any thoughts about that? Like, we were looking up because she was like, we had heard about it on a podcast and we, like, kind of were figuring out that, like, 
when your moon is progressed like we were looking back to like different parts of our lives and I had had this like really crazy like surgery on my head when I was like four and we looked back at where it was and the moon was right I was at a quarter moon I think and or I think the first phase and it was right in Aries so it was on my head in my sixth house (laughs) like about health it was just crazy and I was like that doesn't she was like it's supposed to be like a good transit though and I was like I she we were like I guess I didn't die like that was good but I don't know like when you have you ever had like insights about secondary I don't am I even calling it the right thing secondary progressions is that what it is you are you are (laughs) calling it the right thing um and I have I have a good story too to share about progressions but okay so progressions are not my specialty um but I do know what they are and have started to work with them but basically they are um it's a symbolic way of measuring each day after you were born as representing a year of your life and it's not that it's like at each, you know, each birthday you suddenly progress your chart like a kind of like a bike gear moving like through um, levels or something like that. It happens proportionately through time. So your progressed moon is always moving slowly, you know, and basically over it takes two and a half days for the moon to go through one sign. So that will be two and a half years of your life that your progressed moon is in that particular sign. And because the moon moves that fast, it's one of the main things that you would track when looking at secondary progressions. And some of the outer planets, they'll never change signs in your progressed chart unless they were at like 29 degrees of something. And a few days after you were born, it moved into the next sign or something like that. But basically, it would have to occur within 90, 100 days of your birth for it to happen in your progressed chart during your lifetime. And what's really cool about progressions, too, is that when a significant progression is happening and a planetary transit is happening to your natal chart, it's kind of like a meeting of the inner timing, the progress chart, with the outer timing, the planetary transits. So events can really constellate around that. But um, I had an experience when my... So I had a progressed new moon recently. It happened over the summer. And by progress new moon, it means that in my progress chart, the sun and the moon were um, conjunct. So it's, that would happen every 28 years, basically. So a big event. Um, But a few days before that, someone had reached out to me um, over email who had found one of my videos um, on YouTube. But as like a friendship relationship formed between us um and so new moon in taurus is what my new moon was um i found out later um you know we had this relationship kind of blossom over the summer and when i looked up my progress chart in retrospect my degree of my progress new moon was the same degree as his son and he appeared into my life and he taught me a lot of things especially about cooking and like you know, fine cuisine. And that's so Taurus, right? So it's just like this very direct 
that makes so much sense with sense with your story too about having this progressed moon in Aries in the sixth house and having like head surgery, like sixth house, you know? So just these literal kind of manifestations. And because you were four also, I mean, your four-year-olds are not going to be thinking about astrology or taking that into account, but um, whatever progressed moon that you're in now, you can play with it um, Mm. and experience different varieties of manifestations of it. Ooh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about like, being able to like I don't know play with the energy that's so fun um so okay can I hear your big three what are so you're an airy sun yes I'm a Taurus moon and I'm a Pisces rising Ooh, I love that that's such a good combo (laughs) yeah so um how do you feel like you embody that does that feel does it like ring pretty true Yeah. Um, so the Aries sun, I feel like I love being bold. Like I get ideas and I say that I'm going to do something and then I do it and it's fun. I just feel like I don't, there's a lot of places in my life that I don't feel like I have hangups. Like, I'm just like, honestly, just do it, Mm -hmm. just do it. (laughs) And I do. And I just, I like to motivate or kind of amp other people up to like also, do things um that they want to do so then um the taurus moon part of me um i'm really sensual i love food and like cooking and it's a moon opposite pluto so there's an edge to my moon for sure because what you'll read about taurus moon is that it's like a very Um, It's an exalted moon. It's like emotionally balanced. And so I feel like adding Pluto into that, I used to have much more turbulent emotional states and I learned about how to work with them. And so I have like a certain degree of groundedness, even as I move through really intense states or I've like learned how to harmonize with Pluto in a certain way with that moon opposition, Pluto. Um, but I noticed too, that I just, I enjoy like beautiful things. I love clothes. I love, um, incense and crystals and just like all the kind of like nice luxuries or basic luxuries. Plants. For Pisces, what? Plants. You got a big plant behind you. (laughs) (laughs) True. And also a bunch of books behind me, and my moon is in the third house, so. Oh, yes. This is an appropriate (laughs) representation. Yeah. Because we're in my, you know, like you see my home right behind me, too. So there's there's the moon. And for Pisces rising, I feel like my moment-to-moment experience of reality is magical. Like, I have extrasensory perception, and I'm always seeing these sparkling lights, Um, that help me make decisions as well. Like I just kind of go where things are lit up. Um, I may weigh, you know, decisions and figure out, you know, what should I do? And I tune in with my intuition, but I feel like my imaginal reality and like visualization reality, like is all very Piscean. Um, I love to, you know, speaking of visualization and like how I learned law of attraction I really feel like there's these other 
realms that we're in contact with. And I don't think you can see them if you don't believe in them. You know, there's a certain degree of having to have faith in them. Some people don't choose. It's like they're, they'd rather not, but it's like they're a natural medium and they see spirits and they didn't ask for it. So it's not to say that you have to choose to see these other realms, but I do think to a large degree, they magnify and are more visible if we pay attention to them. So my Pisces rising is like always wanting to dive into the magical realm. Maybe that's the Aries sun too, about just like, let's do it. Um, so yeah, I love that question. Thank you for asking me that. Yeah, it's so fun to talk about. I can like never get enough of it. Um, so you have a cardinal sign, a fixed sign, an immutable sign then, right? right? So I have the same thing. Do you feel like you... What are your sun and rising? Okay, so I'm a Capricorn sun, and then a Pisces moon, and a Scorpio rising. Ooh. Yeah, those are fun. (laughs) Yeah, I love Capricorn. I mean, I love all the signs, really. So Capricorn Scorpio is such a, like, that's a power coupling, too. It's very intense. I feel like I'm a very intense individual. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying, like, okay, this is like, so I pulled a card about like what we should talk about. And I got temperance, which is really fun. I've been getting like water cards all day. It feels like very Scorpio moon. Um, And I feel like I've been thinking a lot about astrology, like, trying to find this idea that we have everything within us and it's like the idea that we're trying to find balance within all of it to kind of get to like the center of the wheel um which is like not my strong suit like I am an extremist for sure and especially like I don't know like Scorpio like always wants to go so deep too and it's like trying to find that like that temperance like moderation like I hate that word but (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like it could really I mean I think it could do me some good so this is like my new way of trying to like integrate astrology into my life is trying to find more balance with like what I'm not I guess like looking into those like I have a very like bottom heavy chart too so like everything is just at the bottom of the wheel and I feel like I'm trying to like come out more onto the other side like because it's kind of it's interesting like to think that where we have our planets we have a lot of gifts there um but then also it's like how do we take those gifts and like explore new territory with them and create new things Um, So we're not just like stuck in our comfort zone because I feel like that gets very easy to do. Um, But that's kind of like what I've been thinking about is like trying to just become more balanced and like look to those other parts where like I have, you know, like nothing there and try and like spread myself a little bit instead of being like, Like, I have Pluto in the first house with Scorpio, and it's just, like, I feel like it's always trying to, like, transform everything, like, and Mars is in my first house, too, so it's just, like, I don't know, just, like, this 
like vengeance of like trying to go as deep as possible and do all of the things but then like now I'm like oh Taurus like relationships like think about other people (laughs) like what would be like more grounding um yeah so that's kind of (laughs) I don't know it's interesting sorry go ahead oh no Sorry, it's interesting, like, thinking about, like, other people, too, like, trying to, like, connect with other people that have, like, an opposite, like, you have, like, a Taurus moon, so it's, like, I feel like you're so grounded, too, like, you come across super grounded in your podcast, like, even talking about such, like, watery things, I would say, there's, like, a certain, um... I don't know. I just like I find myself like noticing and appreciating that in people and trying to cultivate that so it can kind of like balance out my like freaking watery Scorpio ass. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, you what you're talking about is really important with astrology. It's like the art of embodying the placements you already have because there's strength in there and then also balancing them with the opposite archetypes. Um, It's even called the Pluto polarity point in evolutionary astrology. So for you, that would be Taurus in the seventh house. So that like grounded relationship, harmony kind of stuff. That's so smart. I'm sure they would think of a way to (laughs) freaking tame Pluto a little bit. Man, okay. So what's going on with like Pluto conjunct the south node? In Capricorn, can you talk about like the Cancer Capricorn eclipse that we're gonna go through and any like thoughts and embodiments that you've had around that? Well, so Pluto is currently conjunct Saturn, and then both of them are conjunct the South Node. And I think that there's like the Pluto Saturn is a, a really strong, like heavyweight combination because Pluto is like the unconscious and its intensity and death and rebirth and transformation and Saturn relates to the rules and structures and codes that we either abide by as individuals or in the collective. It's like the laws and the structures of society. And internally it's kind of like our super ego, like what are the rules, you know, that we're living by. And so Pluto Saturn is an empowerment of structure. So things can become even more structured. Um, in one possibility of it. And it's also a deconstructing or the Pluto kind of destructive quality of structure. So I think of it kind of as like a leveling up or a game changer around the rules and the standards and the codes and how Saturn is a very supportive archetype. Like having a good relationship with Saturn is having a good relationship with reality. Things function well, there's support, um, things, are on track, you know, it doesn't have to be controlling or oppressive or any of that. And so Pluto Saturn is this transformation of how we are structuring things. And it can also be a lot of releasing of shame because Saturn has like a shame quality to it. If there's parts of us that um, basically like when we're younger, like we learn that there's certain ways that society says things are okay and certain things aren't okay. And it will happen in our family structures too, where certain things are okay and certain things are not okay. And so the parts of us that are not deemed as okay by these codes that we've entered into 
a reality matrix with just go into the shadow. And from there, it could be like, you know, someone who's like a really, like it's part of their soul journey to become a performer. But early on in life, they stepped out, did some kind of performance thing, like as a kid or sang in front of people and someone told them, you have a bad voice or like made fun of them. And so in that moment, that trauma, that shame went into the shadow. So they repressed this like big, important part of themselves. So what we put into the shadow or like what is not okay or what's not to standard is not always in alignment with our soul's purpose. Sometimes it's like a part of ourselves that we've lost. So it's like, I feel like we're becoming more conscious of these structures that are in our life of a deep psychic nature. And with the south node there, energy is leaving through the south node and energy is coming in through the north node. So there's a big emphasis in the collective right now of while we're on the one hand, maybe becoming more aware of subconscious shame that we've been holding on to and it's rising to the surface, it's also time to let it go. And it's so funny because I've actually had people report to me that they are going about their day and they are just kind of in a reverie and suddenly they wake up in the middle of it and they're they're thinking about something like, what did I do wrong? Like they're trying to remember what they did wrong. And I've had that kind of stuff come up too of like um, that kind of thinking about like, oh, I'm bad or I, you know, this like ruthless self-criticism, like the minute, minutest thing that I do wrong, like this like self-reprimand and I'm just like, whoa, like chill out. I had a psychic tell me once that part of my life purpose has to do with like not judging my own judgment, but maybe seeing my inner judge as like this really cute dog. <laughs> I have to be like down, <laughs> down. <laughs> and so I've been feeling into that lately of just like judgments are not things that I have to form attachments to. They come up like any other thought. And so I've just been, it's been like a practice to like let them go and not to contract over them. And then moving into the North Node in Cancer is a lot about creating safety and care and a lot of connection. And with the emphasis of planets in Capricorn on the South Node, it can be like brittle and dry, like dusty or cracking bones, like mm. that kind of vibe. And so thinking about places in our lives where we've gotten really contracted or like, oh, I have to work. Like, I don't have time for love and connection and friends. Like, I have to be serious and work right now. And like that kind of ego structure isolating us in some way. And maybe we do kind of get work done, but maybe we're not filling up our cup to even do the work. And so there can be this immense amount of emotional compartmentalization that happens with Capricorn, where we're climbing some mountain, we have some goal, we're going without emotional sustenance because we think that's what's going to help us get to the top. Mm. And then when we get to the top, it's like, what a shitty mountain I just climbed. Like, I hated the whole way up here, and now I'm not happy here. <laughs> so annoyed. <laughs> So at the same time, it's like being ambitious is great and learning how to compartmentalize and focus and like, but every time we compartmentalize something, we do have to unpack it at some point, mm -hmm. you know? So I think cancer is moving into this like tenderness and like creating connection and safety and connecting with our emotions and our intuition so that we can keep um, 
checking in that like, oh, this is the right path. You know, I'm emotionally connected here. So in terms of the eclipses, I haven't actually um, looked at them yet. Um, so of course they involve the notes. Um, I wonder, I could probably pull it up right now. If my software is open. So the, the new moon eclipse on July 2nd, um, the sun and the moon are at 10 degrees cancer conjunct the North moon. So that's like a lunation that's like bringing us in touch. Like it's close to closer to the North node, which is where energy is coming in and where the evolution is. Um, whereas the full moon is conjunct Pluto. The moon is 24 degrees conjunct Pluto and the sun will be on the North node. So that's cool. That's like, you know how full moons um, can be a time of letting go and releasing. And so the moon conjunct Pluto during that lunation. That'll be a big one. Yes. <laughs> I feel... I, I, mm, go ahead. Um, I would watch out for cardinal moons. Like every time the moon is in Aries, Libra, Capricorn, or Cancer, it's always forming hard aspects to that Pluto-Saturn. So I've noticed that during mm. the cardinal moons, that's when we really feel the Pluto-Saturn vibe. Yeah, so. I've been noticing like, Especially with, like, the Aries full moon or maybe the new moon in Aries. It was just very, like, I just felt the strongest tower energy, which I feel like goes with, like, Mars and um, Pluto and, like, transforming all of this destruction. Um, But I totally relate to everything you were saying. I feel like I've just been on my podcast, my like podcasts talking about all my shame and like getting it out there (laughs) i'm like here's all these secrets that i like i have cancer and scorpio so it's like in the eighth house so just like telling everybody like um all of this like repressed trauma that i've like compartmentalized is totally the right word for it um it's just crazy. Yeah, and then it has less power over you. Right? Yes, like I feel secrets. so free. Like, ah, uh, I feel like a weight is just lifted off me. Like when you're able to like name it and process it and just sit with it, even though it like feels icky, um, it's like all of it can just be cleared, which is amazing. Totally. Yeah. So where do you have your north and south nodes? In my natal chart? Yeah. So my south node is in Cancer in the fourth house, and my north node's in Capricorn in the tenth. So Ooh. I'm having a nodal opposition. It's not totally an orb yet, but um, part of my path, like ever since I learned about the nodes and really understood what that meant, it's like I keep unfolding new layers of it, but I had realized that. Um, I've always had this like really vast, emotional, fantastic inner reality and like a very strong subjective experience. Um, Always have been interested in being creative. And there was a a turning point when I realized that I had nothing to show for myself in the world or in society. Like I was like, I don't, I haven't like published my work. 
I don't have a track record. People don't know what I'm capable of. And it just felt like it was the call to develop Saturn and to like do things consistently, build a brand, build a public image, move out into the public and do that kind of that Capricorn thing. But because I was already so connected with my emotions, it was like, how can I build things that come from that emotional place? But I had to learn too about, I actually had to learn how to compartmentalize because I definitely had times Mm -hmm. um, through my process where it was like, I'm crying too much to be able to work. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to learn how to like get a rein on or like, control in a sense my emotions and not to suppress them but to build a different container like change the rules of my consciousness such that I'm happy more often than not and that I have these like emotional coping skills that you know feel it's like a positive Saturn it's this super supportive Saturn um so that's kind of what I've been working with with that yeah so I feel like I've been working on my relationship with Saturn. I'm going through my Saturn return in Capricorn. (laughs) So it's pretty intense, I would say. Um, There's been a lot of falling apart and trying to put it back together. Um, I don't know. Do you have any advice for anybody going through their Saturn return? Have you been through yours? No, I'm Saturn in Aquarius. So I've been like interacting with Saturn for seven years now, like Mm -hmm. in a very conscious way, which is such a Saturn number Um, since 2012. That's when I really started to like learn all the archetypes. Before then, I really only focused on like the inner planets, um, like personality kind of stuff. So you're part of the Saturn Uranus Neptune triple conjunction generation. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, that's really unique. I forget the exact amount of years, but I think that that like particular triple constellation of planets happens like once every 570 or like something. Wow, I feel so special. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that that triple, like there's so many different ways that those archetypes can work together. Um, So advice for people having a Saturn return with that triple conjunction or just people having a Saturn return in general? Maybe both. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I'll start with the general one. Saturn returns, I honestly think are best prepared for in advance. So the earlier that you know about the archetype of Saturn, I think the better. Um, But I mean, I have a lot, I have a strong Saturn chart. So maybe that's such a bias to say. Um, And not everyone is going to know about the archetypal Saturn or whatever, but it's, it's a time to really mature and become aware of like where it's time to step up and really embody your true potential, which can mean doing the hard things. Um, it's not just about doing what feels good. Um, though it's important to be intuitive and tuned in with the self, you know, and not overly compartmentalize and all of that, but it's like those tough things that we have to do can come through with Saturn And it is also kind of a liberation psychically because from birth until the first Saturn return, there's a tendency to be in the past life karma and the family karma that has kind of come back up and we're reminded of who we've been in prior lives through the experiences that we have in our early life. 
And at the Saturn return, there's this crystallization of self that occurs where we kind of become a new version of ourselves slightly. It's like, think about like the Pokemons, like going, I don't know their names, but how there's like um, the little kind of baby level one Pokemon. And then you get like the level two and it's like this, do you know what I'm talking about? I I can imagine. Okay. I wish I like had enough Pokemon knowledge to really say what I'm talking about, but basically it's like they evolve into this like more mature version. Right. So at the Saturn return, there's a tendency without even knowing astrology, like people don't have to know astrology for this to even happen, but Saturn return, people get kind of serious. They assess what's possible in their reality. They make choices that can empower those potentials. And then they move more into their North node, which is their destiny in this life. But the Saturn return is a test. So some people don't really pass the test per se. Like that sounds so harsh and so Saturnian, but it's like life tells us, like we get very direct feedback in life. Um, Saturn works in that way, like hard concrete feedback. So let's say we have a pattern that is unhealthy. And every time we do the same thing, we hit a brick wall that's a moment to take responsibility for us asking, why do I keep hitting this wall? What could I be doing instead? And find another path, figure out the situation. But if we decide, oh, it's just a brick wall's problem. We just like keep, you know, we project our responsibility onto something else um, and don't take responsibility. Then we're not really embodying our potential um, at the Saturn return. And why I say preparing for the Saturn return in advance, um, that can just be about knowing the values of cause and effect before time goes by. So like in this reality, the things that we do, the patterns that we create have some kind of cause and effect. So if we have some meditation practice every day and we are kind of rewriting our kind of emotional baseline state through doing that, it will have a consequence after compacted years of doing that. Just like if we smoke cigarettes every day, it has a compacted consequence. Um, So knowing that there's cause and effect and consequence in this reality, it's not about, oh, you're bad and this bad thing happened to you. It's just like, how can you make choices that will gather good results over time? What are the kind of seeds you want to be planting? So befriend Saturn as this bringer of the harvest and plant seeds accordingly and then watch them take fruit in the years to come. So for the generation with Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, I was like, was that all heavy? Like sometimes when I talk about Saturn, I feel this like, like a staff by my side or something. (laughs) Like it's like iron (laughs) or like lead staff. And I'm just like, whoa, like (laughs) I'm just speaking this intense gravity filled language right now no I think (laughs) it's good I mean you need to hear it right or else yeah you don't pass the test and then you're fucked so (laughs) (laughs) you'll have you know you have more chances and whatnot in life but it's like if we again and again don't answer the call then that's the karma that we're accruing basically um the Saturn Uranus Neptune The Uranus-Neptune as a conjunction has a lot to do with, um, these like spiritual liberation, 
Um, it's in Capricorn too, which is Saturn's sign. The internet was created during the Uranus-Neptune mm. conjunction. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of, of having a more flexible view of reality, being able to move into different spheres of reality. Um, Uranus has that kind of electric, non-local telepathy kind of thing going on. And Neptune is the is spirit. It's the ocean. It's source. It's heaven. It's unity. And so there's a an acceleration of kind of spiritual growth or expansive spiritual freedom and spiritual possibility with that. And then Saturn coming in, um, I feel has like two basic things that it wants to do with Uranus Neptune. Either it's like building a structure that is like supporting that in some way, or it's like negating it. Like someone who has like this really intense spiritual opening and it's a little bit, it's like too intense and they're like, no more of that. They like throw away their tarot cards and they're like, I'm done. And there's like this renunciation. And it can also be renunciation of like going too far with like, some kind of substance, like um, Uranus is extreme and Neptune can be escapism. So someone who goes, they party so hard, they do all the drugs and they just have this like crazy lifestyle. And then one day they renounce it and they become sober. So it, it's that ability to kind of go to extremes, but then find out how to structure it. And sometimes that the Saturn principle is to like just negate or say no to things. Mm. Um, but Uranus Neptune is so expansive and all of that. So I think about um, that generation. And I see people playing out that combination of planets in so many different ways. And I think also something that just came to mind is the sense of how sometimes when we feel really um, defeated or like we've given up, that's when the illumination happens. I think of, I don't know why I have this story coming to mind and if it's totally accurate, but I have the sense that Einstein had some kind of revelation through a dream that maybe came through when he had just given up. You know, I've had that experience where I'm like in despair, I've given up and then I go to sleep and I have some dream that tells me the answer. And I feel like that's that Saturn-Neptune combination a little bit of the grace that comes through when we give up we're just like totally yield and so there's that balance between two how much do we um effort in life and do things that are hard and push you know and when do we just like let go and let things happen and that balance i think is being discovered through that triple but it's a, it is a very interesting combination of planets. And so it's not just a Saturn return. It's also Saturn conjunct Neptune and Saturn conjunct Uranus. And I feel like that has so many different possibilities. You know, Saturn Neptune can be a sense of really starting to commit to spirituality, having a very real concrete spiritual experience. It can also be disillusionment spiritually, like feeling um, very bitter, feeling the sense of loss that's overwhelming and oceanic. Saturn conjunct Uranus could be um, 
the concrete manifestation of the higher self and of like this higher vision that one has for their life and innovation. Um, and it can also be a rather extreme sense of disarray, like, oh, I had this thing going on and now it's just in a bunch of different pieces. Um, so it's a lot of transits happening. So it's not just a Saturn return, it's all of those. Um, so how did that yeah, no, I feel like it's very accurate. Um, I feel like it's been a call to, I feel like, like, growing up, I had, like, I had a lot of mental health issues, and I think a lot of them stem from, Like, the fact that I have, like, so much water in my chart, like, I have, like, a grand water trine, and I feel like I'm really, like, able to connect to these other worlds, like, no matter how crazy that sounds. Um, Doesn't sound crazy. (laughs) And that moon in Pisces, too. Yeah, so, and it's in the fourth house, so just like that, and I feel like that just kind of, like, turbocharges, like, the moon. Um... And I feel like I would get lost a lot in it before. Um, And I feel like I put up all of these barriers against it for a really long time to be able to, like, compartmentalize everything so I was able to deal with it. And then I feel like the beginning of my Saturn return, like, just hitting 27... Like, I feel like everything was just shattered, and it was, like, complete overwhelm again, and tapping into that thing that I had repressed for so long, and now I'm kind of re-creating new structures that allow it and don't suppress it, I guess. But, like, finding, like, a healthy balance is kind of my... (laughs) my... Uh, hope, I guess, and what I've been trying to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, when it comes to compartmentalizing things with Saturn, sometimes it is about like age readiness, like Mm -hmm. maybe being a child and being psychic at the degree that a Pisces moon is capable of is too much, you know? So it's like Mm -hmm. not the time. And, and then it, when it is time again, Yeah, I think honoring, like, honoring Saturn, because Saturn's all about time, right? And, like, the right time. And, like, honoring, I feel like I've been trying to, like, honor, like, this is all happening. Like, this is what's supposed to be happening. Like, don't fight it. And I (laughs) like, allowing everything, which is nice. But, yeah. Okay, so I have, like, a fun question for you that I've always kind of thought about. So I'm really, like, lucky when it comes to, like, winning contests and stuff, which is so random, but I feel like it's maybe the fact that I have Jupiter in Cancer in the 8th house. So, like, I don't know, does that, like, make you think of that at all? Like, like, getting lucky from, like, things you can't see? Like, just, like, I don't know. I love that. When you said um, the first thing about being lucky, I was like, Jupiter. Like, what are you, yeah. you, know, you going to say about Jupiter? And I love the the thought of 
luck coming in from unseen sources or like inheritance and like shared mm-hmm. resources, the eighth house. So that like, yeah. Gift. Is your Jupiter aspecting anything in your chart? Um, I think it's right across from like my whole stelium in Capricorn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that would make sense, right? Or I guess it does. So what do you like look at when you are like oppositions inherently like quote unquote bad or is it just like like a play of energy that like creates an opportunity perhaps? Yeah, none of the aspects are bad. Um even sometimes the language around them is that there's hard aspects and soft aspects. And that doesn't mean hard as in difficult. It just means dynamic. And the hard aspects are like louder, it feels like. And the soft aspects are like almost more watery. Um, And they can often, the soft aspects are also called harmonious. And so the opposition is one of the hard aspects along with the square and the conjunction. And oppositions are there's a lot of magic about them too, because let's say like it means in your chart, like Jupiter and cancer is balancing with this stellium. And so they're kind of on a seesaw in some way. And if you, what's interesting about oppositions is that if there's a, um, something happening with one of them or on one side of the opposition in the case of there being a lot of planets on both sides, it's going to manifest that and mirror that in the other in some way. And so if there's a problem with one, you're experiencing that kind of problem in the other, similar to like a relationship. Let's say one person in the relationship is not expressing their feelings. They're just not talking about it. That's going to call a certain level of dysfunction in the whole relationship. Um, And maybe the person, the other person, is doing something that's bothering the one who's not saying anything and they keep doing it because that communication has never happened. Mm. Likewise, when one of the planets in the opposition has been granted some more like love, it's been nourished, there's like an embodiment that's happening of it, it's going to infuse that magic into the planets that are directly opposite it as well. Mm. So it can be a way to play with your own chart. Um, Like while you're having this Saturn, Uh, return Saturn's also transiting your Jupiter Um, but maybe the Saturn themes are not like not yielding at a certain moment it feels like there's not progress that's happening there there's a lot of frustration you can bounce over to Jupiter and interact with Jupiter for a bit and then maybe that optimism that you experience there suddenly illuminates like oh this is the choice that I have to make with this Saturn situation that I've been experiencing So I think that they're really dynamic and they're in relationship. So when planets are in relationship, there's so much opportunity and so much potential. And the other thing I would say about oppositions is that they can relate to things that constellate in relationship. So these can be poles that we're holding within ourselves, but sometimes we're so in one side of our opposition that we actually project and constellate it onto the other. So you could be in the Saturn and you meet all these Jupiter figures and in a way too, you are both of those. You definitely are. But if you're 
really embodying one, you might find the other in your environment. Ooh, that's so cool. Do you have any, like, stories of, like, how you've seen um, maybe something you initially thought was going to be, like, something difficult, but, like, you experience it and it was actually lovely? It's hard to say because <laughs> my my MO for looking at transits is to imagine the best possible case scenario. Like, I actually... That's been my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> best case scenario yeah best case so scenario it's I realized that the we're participating with astrology so as a an act of like drawing out the best parts of reality I I imagine what those might be so I'm trying to think of a transit that I thought would be difficult because I literally just don't think that way about yeah, the transits I mean that's a, just a great way of thinking about things too I feel yeah. like that's how I've been, like, really tuning into Jupiter has been, like, really that mantra of, like, everything's turning out best-case scenario. I have no idea how, but everything's going to work out. And I feel yeah. like it really balances out the Saturn and, like, you know, all of those, that clump of the seesaw. Yeah, well, so... During that spiritual awakening that I had in 2012, I had met a mentor that um, what I learned from him was that you could go into like visualizations or on the dream plane and like imagine the next day. And for him, it was like a matter of like lucid dreaming and like actually living days before they happen, which is not really my practice with it. I haven't that's not how I experienced lucid dreams as much, but I started to realize from applying those ideas into my own life. Cause I would have like a fearful thought or something and he would be like, no, like, why are you thinking that way? Why are you cursing yourself? Why are you fucking yourself? Like, he's like, you know, and it was really interesting to have such harsh feedback from someone because normally when you express a fear, people can be like, Oh, and like, be really nice and sweet to you about it and comfort you and to just have someone be like, why are you cursing yourself with that kind of language? And just be so like, stop about it. it was funny. And, but it got me to think, you know, okay, like what if I, what if I take really seriously the thoughts that I'm projecting out into reality and it can be a head trip because you don't want to like be so controlling of your thoughts that you're like in, inauthentic, but you can imagine how you want your day to go at night before you fall asleep. You can imagine the best things happening in your life. And it's like, if you create those visualizations in your mind, it's like easier to find them in real life or like you've imagined something happening. And then as you're walking about your life, an opportunity suddenly glimmers and you remember it from a dream. And so you go towards it. But if you've never entertained the thought of the best case scenario, how are you supposed to recognize it? I think that the Jupiter principle, too, can be about that, the optimism that even makes space to recognize opportunity. Mm, I love that. Um, I was just going to ask something. Do you, where did it go? It, like, it'll come to me. Um, so what, what are you, are you going through any transits right now? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course you are, but. <laughs> well, I'm having 
having Saturn square my sun. So that actually comes back to your question of a transit that you might think is bad. Mm. Um, which again, I didn't really think would be bad, but I was aware of the cautions or like what could be bad about a Saturn square sun transit, but it can feel like one way of putting it is like the light is being smudged out. Mm, Nice. The solar (laughs) is being negated by Saturn, but I've actually experienced it. Like when it first started to come into orb, I had three or four different circumstances where I had to write a bio. So I was being called to like formally express myself and it was really challenging because I didn't know how to write a biography about myself. Like I've written a novel about a personal experience I've had. I've written in diaries my whole life. So it's not like I don't have um, words to talk about my life with, but how do you condense it? make it succinct. Like that was the challenge of like, how can I be succinct about my self-expression? How can I formally express myself? And the Saturn sun transit also, like my podcast has come out of that. So it's like the formalization, Saturn of creativity, sun. Um, I was depressed for a little bit of time. Now I feel like robustly happy. I love the springtime though. I'm, I'm usually like happy as a clam in springtime. And yeah, so other transits I'm having, Neptune is hovering right behind my Ascendant, and it will cross my Ascendant on my birthday next year. Ooh. So that's that's happening. Um, yeah, those are the two that come to mind. Cool. So, Oh, I remember what I was going to ask you. So do you dream a lot? You were talking about dreams. Like, what's, like, your dream world like? Oh, I love that question. (laughs) I love asking people that question too, because people dream very differently. Mm -hmm. So, um, so let's see. I think my favorite kind of dream comes from this space of like, when I was in school, I really enjoyed literary analysis. Like I was a geek about lit analysis. I loved like being for the symbols and analyzing pieces of text to like talk about the mood or, you know, whatever. I got really nerdy about it. And now I'm into astrology, obviously, and that's a symbol system. And so dreams are heavily symbolic, I feel like. And two of the main dream motifs that I've had throughout my whole life, I've always dreamt of parties and big gatherings of people. And I always dream about vehicles Mm. and in the party kind of dreams, there's different ways that I'm interacting with the party. Like I might be talking with people and having a really ecstatic experience. I might be on the outside looking in, I might be hiding. Like there's all these different ways and it could symbolize how I'm interacting with the collective or with the, the celebration aspect of reality, like parties. I don't know. And then the car dreams are very, um, symbolic of how I'm moving through life. Am I the driver? Am I the passenger? Is the car working? Is there an open road? Am I driving underwater? You know, there's all these different symbols that can occur to give me feedback on how my life direction is going. Um, And more like my ego, because the the soul might be me who's in the car, but the the car is my ego. I really feel that way about like my, my personality in this lifetime. Like Sabrina Monarch is an avatar for my soul and they're closely bonded, you know, but it's like 
I'm not just Sabrina, I'm also a soul who has been here before and will be here again. And so how can I participate with Sabrina Monarch um, in the most harmonious or enhancing way? And then in terms of other kind of dream stuff, I really love um, dreams that feel very prophetic. Um, like just the symbolism is like so crystal clear, like so evocative that I wake up and I, I'm so stunned from what just happened. Um, and I've also had prophetic dreams um, in the, the other sense of the word, like um, what's the precognitive dreams mm -hmm. where I dream of something and then it happens mm -hmm. and it's really cool because it's not like I dream of something bad happening and then something bad happens. So it's not like a scary anxiety thing or doom or anything. It's more like just unique little events um, or scenes. And then when it happens in my waking life, I feel so like ecstatic about it. Like it feels like, oh, like I'm so connected or it just feels like union or like a love affair with the universe. And it makes me really happy so there's definitely like there's stuff going on on the dream plane and I think about um like there's other cultures throughout time and the globe that dreams were like an oracle space and like people in the community would gather together and share their dreams as a group and they would there was meaning coming from the dreams. And so I really think that there's um, a collective kind of shared dream field. And like we've privatized the dream world so much to our own psyches mm. when it's actually like a location in the cosmos that you yes. can meet other people in. <laughs> I totally yeah. feel like it's a location. So, okay, your party dreams, are they the same party every time or is it a different party? Like the setting? Always different. Oh, that's cool. That feels very Taurus of you, like Taurus moon, <laughs> like dreaming about parties. I, I think it might be my sun square Uranus, <laughs> too, like, mm. like Aquarius, Uranus, like that group energy, and then yeah. the sun, it's like, I don't know. But yeah, the like the luxury or like the, like I've had party dreams where there's like an excellent array of like food and desserts. <laughs> so uh -huh. like and sensual. Yeah. So. Like my grandma was a Taurus and she just would never miss a party. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. It was really cute. Um, so that reminds me of that. But I always have like dreams where like, it'll be, well, they're always different, but I feel like I go to very specific places where, like, it feels like a past life or, and it'll be cool because, like, certain dreams I'll be able to, like, explore more of the environment also, whereas, like, it'll be, like, a castle and, like, for maybe a week I'll dream about being in, like, this one area and then I'll finally, like, go out onto the grounds and then... Like, being able to, like, see a bunch of different places and then realizing that it was, like, one big map, almost, is really neat. Whoa. I so know! Go same, you get to go to the same places multiple times? Yes, all the time.
and I'm always excited when like I get to a new place because it almost feels like a new level like in Mario or something (laughs) oh my god I was actually when you I I was thinking about the in-game language too because I was like I want to unlock that like whenever I hear that people can go to the same location multiple times I'm like that's a dream skill I want to unlock like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's like I'm usually like learning some lesson. It feels very connected to astrology though because it'll come in like clusters I've noticed with the moon. So like during like a new moon I'll start dreaming a lot of the same things and have like a cluster of them and then it'll be like I don't know. I need to like be better about like somehow recording them. I don't like just writing them would be good but yeah I love what you you added in the moon too because I noticed that when I first started following the moon um and I was also having a Neptune transit to my Mars so this may have been an extra boost of that um but during the transition from the balsamic or like the dark moon to the new moon I always had the most fantastic dreams like I would feel what like the culmination of the last lunar cycle and like a soul culmination like something would be releasing and then at the new moon I would get a dream that like prophesize the themes of the next month and I would watch it play out and it was so cool and I loved it and like that doesn't happen the same way currently maybe it's not the current lessons or whatever I'm working through but it was very spiritual. Like it felt like a deep like bath into the ocean and like yes. I just loved it. It feels very watery. Like dreams feel very watery. Um, totally. Yeah, it's so cool. Like I'm obsessed with everybody's dreams. I like you're so right. I'm sure we did like sit around and talk about our dreams and I wish that we had more of that because I feel like I don't know, especially like when you're talking with people and it's like about your relationships and it brings, you know, to light maybe these subconscious things that you didn't know were going on, but it like gives you this opportunity to explore them and then grow from it. It's really cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so... I don't want to take up like too much of your time so let me know like whenever you have to go or else I'll just keep asking you questions. (laughs) Okay I'm good keep asking me. (laughs) Um so what um what was I gonna I feel like I got off track here. Oh spirit guides like do you believe in spirit guides? Do you feel like you like what's kind of your I don't know, like, spiritual relationship with the unseen. Love that. So, let's see. I think that we all have spirit guides. And I think there's a a degree of, like, how much are we listening? Or, like, have we opened the conversation? There's a lot of teachings that our spirit guides or angels or, like, kind of divine intervention doesn't happen unless we ask for it and at the same time there's also the sense that there are these higher beings helping us whether or not we've asked for it um 
but to build a relationship with them is to start talking to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is really helpful for anyone who's like really new on that path of communicating with spirit guides is that you definitely can um, just start praying and start talking to them and you may get a sign. You ask for a sign, the universe tends to give you one. But I've noticed that, um, and this has been my experience where as I've been on a spiritual path, whenever I meet people who are like elders to me, someone who is really steeped in a tradition, someone who's very psychic. When I lived in Olympia, there were so many psychics and healers and a lot of them had were talked about in town, like everyone had these great experiences with them. So they came highly recommended. There's a degree of like safety and trust. Um, and I would find that when I communicated and interacted with people that were really deep into their spirituality that I got a boost. It was like a transmission. And so someone who, you know, or I would learn how to pray from how other people prayed because it's like you can pray, but there's so many different ways to do. So learning, you know, interacting with other people is a, who have connection to spirit guides is a way to start connecting with your own. And then once you're connecting to your own, um, a good way is to also express gratitude often, like have a gratitude practice, thank your guides for everything they've done, ask your guides for help too, and just have that conversation. For me, um, I see lights that like look like little stars, basically in the night sky, but they're in this, you know, the visual field They can be in my like inner vision. If I close my eyes, they can be on a page, they'll be on people's faces, anywhere, basically but they pop into my field of vision to kind of resonate with a certain thought or something that someone says. And based on, I've been seeing them now since 2012. So I have all this kind of like intricate, like, Oh, when they look like this or, you know, that kind of thing, like patterns that I've noticed with them, but they, I feel like I don't, know exactly what they are because sometimes if I look into the corner of the room and I talk to an angel or address an angel I'll see a light appear um but I'm if I consult my intuition I see light so they're just kind of I don't know what they are like in an ontological sense but they help me um so yeah that's so cool (laughs) it's like a connection no matter like it's just a different form right whether it's like through you or through because you're a spirit right I mean, just in a body, (laughs) so it makes sense. It would happen all the time. That's so cool. I feel like I have, like, I feel like, because so I'm, like, pretty much deaf in my left ear because of that surgery I was talking about, and I feel like I get, like, tinnitus or, like, a buzzing, and I'll, like, I know somebody is talking about me or thinking about me oh my god and I'm like who's talking about me but like and then I'll get a phone call or like something it's like you know something's coming through it's like you're like you are connected to something and it it's so funny that you say like it makes me think about like you end up bleeding into other people's frequencies like when you're talking about like other people open you up to their spirit guides like when they have a really strong connection it can like open you up 
And like when I first started doing hair, like maybe like 10 years ago, I'm a hairstylist. And one of my first clients at when I was like in hair school, she was like, we were talking about yoga and she was, I think that's like where her spirituality had started from. And we were, I wasn't really into spirituality, but I was like taking yoga and just mostly for exercise. But she was like, I had a tattoo and it, so I have roses on my arm and she was like, oh my God, I'm so happy I got you. Like, um, God always sends me roses when I'm on the right path. And I like, it just like sent shivers through my whole body. And I was like, that is like the most beautiful thing I have ever heard in my life. And to like be able to like see somebody experience synchronicity, like, in whatever way felt good to them was just so beautiful and such a revelation to me that like then I started asking for flowers and it was like and it kind of evolved you know throughout the years but that practice like of just finding synchronicity through symbolism like as a way of communicating with divine like was just so like I love that that's one of my favorite practices um and just like it's so cool how when you start noticing it like I feel like you'll get synchronicity and then like the more you pay attention to it the more it comes also and then it's like if there was a little crack and then it's like open and things are just like flying through then. And I just love that. It's so cool to feel like connected in that way. Yeah. I think that's like the art of it too, is staying open. Cause I think that Mm -hmm. sometimes people like will experiment or dabble with communicating with the universe. And then when they get a message back, they get, they retract or kind of contract Mm -hmm. and they're like, no, it's, I'm just imagining it. And they kind of like stop having that connection. Or if it's a a message you don't like too. (laughs) I've had that where it's like a hard thing and it's like really, it's like you want to do something, but you're hearing a no and like to honor that is so hard. Um, But I feel like those are usually the most like fruitful um, times afterward, I guess. Yeah, I think that something um, that makes me think of is like the Virgo archetype and how when it comes to communicating with spirit, Pisces, so speaking of polarities and oppositions, that there's a certain like purification process that happens. And if we have a process where like learning how to have like a such a clear channel that you really trust your intuition and resonate with it is a process of perhaps letting certain things go or um, even like letting go of traumas and fears that are skewing the filter a little bit where it's like where we have this trauma that's blocking us from trusting or something like that. Or, But then on the other hand, like a clear no from our intuition can be so empowering and just like, you know, and then when we go against it and then, you know, well, fuck it, I'm just going to do this thing that I know isn't a good idea. And then it doesn't go so well. It's like, okay, like maybe I have to, you know, listen to my intuition. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's a really interesting relationship to have because, I mean, 
it's a, it's as complicated, if not more complicated in some ways than relationships that humans have with other humans or that we can have with anything. And I feel like it necessarily comes with a lot of trial and error, just like you would have with another person that you're seeking to have a deep union with. It's like Mm -hmm. stuff is going to come up that's confusing and you're going to have to like have a conversation about it or figure out how the other works. And I think the universe is really similar, but I think too about just like Literally, if you were talking to another person and every time they answered back to you, you jumped and got scared, they'd probably stop talking to you. (laughs) And so if you're going to have a conversation with the universe and your spirit guides, a lot of it is about not being scared or spooked out that the universe is talking to you. And there's such deep conditioning in this culture that that's not real, that it's like actually crazy or something to have a relationship with these other realms. So... There's just a something that we're holding at bay if we're afraid of that kind of contact. And that being said, mm-hmm. if you see spirits and ghosts and you don't want to do that, you don't really have to. I think there mm-hmm. I've talked to people who are like psychics who are like, yeah, I decided not to see ghosts. And they have a boundary where it's like they're going to be psychic in this other way, but they don't want to deal with ghosts. And maybe some people do. You know, there's you can have boundaries with the universe just like you have in a personal relationship so I don't know I'm going to get into too much of a rant about the ramifications of that because at the same time as I'm saying that I'm like yes you can have boundaries and but the universe is also a really powerful force ultimately so like that dance with it I guess yeah yeah, knowing, like, what is a good boundary and what's just, like, avoiding something, too. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's t- – okay, so I have a question about the South Node again. So they always say it's kind of like your past life, kind of, right? Like, we're moving away from it, but it's also our gifts. Can you talk a little about that? Like, how is it so complex? Sure. <laughs> what's going so on? the notes are actually – Speaking of, like, they are my specialty, so I'm like, yes. Oh, yes. Let's talk. Okay, so specifically, if I was going to get specific, my south node is in Leo in the ninth house, and I am, like, the most terrible student on earth. I was born to a parent, like, parents who are teachers, like, obsessed with higher education, and, like, it's been, like, my downfall in my life. And I'm trying to, like, and it's interesting with, like, my north node being in the third house. Like, I still love to learn, but not in the traditional sense, I guess. Um, And I think, like, more of, like, my my gifts are that it's, like, more I have creative gifts, um, which would be, like, the Leo thing. But it just seems, like, so layered in, like, these things. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> you so, can ignore that if you yeah, want <laughs> I guess I'll start with just the south node in general yes. and like move in okay so the south node is like ego structures from the past so I look at it relative to Pluto Pluto is the soul the desire nature of the soul and the south node will be personalities and ego structures that have been taken on in the past in order to accommodate that so it's like the the driving metaphor again it's like what kind of car have you been driving 
to be on your soul path. And there are gifts that come from it because we've developed a certain archetype, but we've also been heavily conditioned by it. And an example that I like to use really often is South node and Aries of the first house and moving into the North node and Libra where someone who has a lot of ego structures around war, fighting, being a soldier, being in the military, any like Martian kind of theme. And so those could be literal manifestations. It doesn't have to be that literal. It could just be someone who's a fighter, you know, and that's how they go about life is it's about willpower and fighting and whatever. That person might enter a scenario with another person, like just a normal everyday day-to-day encounter but because they have all this history of war, the something might come up in that contact in their life that's not a threat, but they're used to seeing, they're used to being defensive and up in arms. So they get defensive, then the other person reacts back and suddenly they're like having a fist fight or something. And it's just coming from this natural place of defensiveness. So that that person might be very individual, might be very assertive or whatever it's like they've got that down but they really haven't developed the libra the seventh house archetype yet which is all about harmony and making relationship and peace with others and so there may be all these ways that they're so used to thinking that everything is a fight that as soon as they open up to the kind of musicality and harmony of the libra vibe they may have so much ease open up in their lives like maybe also they're naturally gifted at not being codependent in relationships they may have that like Aries kind of stuff on lockdown versus someone with Libra South node is learning about how to be more independent or something. So it's just recognizing like the archetypes that you're coming from and how that has conditioned and patterned you and how you can find freedom and expansion through the opposite archetype, which is the North node. And then when it comes to your example that you used, it's also you would look to the sun as the ruler of your south node and see what aspects it's making in your chart to get more of a story of your south mm. node. So it's not just your south node and Leo, it's your sun and Capricorn and whatever your sun and Capricorn is doing. And so That's so interesting that they're opposites then, kind of, because it would be like the 10th house. Well, because Leo would like bleed. Can you talk a little bit about like whole sign houses? And- not really. <laughs> Is it is it just that like like whole sign you generally like it's the predecessing preda is that the right terminology like I don't use whole signs like I use porphyry so I or can you I, talk about like what you use Yeah no, no I just um porphyry yeah house method is what I use but um I mean, back to the, the Leo thing, it's just there's there's more going on with the South Node. And so the sense of also, yeah, there's gifts, there's something that maybe you've inherited, and then you're also moving towards the North Node, but it's not like you have to let everything from the South Node go. And so having this podcast mm-hmm. is a good example or manifestation of your North Node because Aquarius relates to the higher airwaves and Ooh, I like that. communication is third house and then um it's like moving from the Sagittarian ninth house reality of like having a really clear belief system 
two, getting other perspectives. So having conversations with people and asking them questions and being curious is such a third house thing to do. So mm, I like yeah. that. And then you get to express yourself on it too. So yeah. you get the Leo in there. So it's kind of like bouncing back and forth and trying to find like the good aspects of everything instead yeah, of... Yeah, just like live into your chart. <laughs> <laughs> live into your chart in like the sexiest, highest way. <laughs> so do you have any like aspects to your, um, to your nodes? Yeah, I have... Um, Mercury and Venus squaring my notes and Jupiter trining them. Or sextiling one, trining the other. But Do you like see that like happening at all? Oh, totally. When you have planets squaring the nodes, it's um, a karmic crossroad in this life. Ooh. And it will be integrated through one of the nodes that it last made a conjunction with. So because I have Venus squaring my nodes, um, I mean, I'm a huge romantic, and I love love. And Me too. I, yeah, right? <laughs> and it's like I have Venus and Pisces, and I've had this immense romantic yearning my whole life. And when I found this kind of astrology and, like, learned about the nodes and everything, I realized that my north node in Capricorn and Saturn in my chart actually empowers my Venus Mercury. And so... I would have these um, really kind of like extreme crises in my life related to love um, or communication, um, Venus Mercury. And I've been like healing that or supporting that storyline through Saturn. And it's been really interesting. Like I've been working with Saturn for all this time and it like I watch it like help my relationship with Venus and Mercury be enhanced. So I think that that's like a really cool thing too, to get from that is like, when you have planets squaring the nodes, it can manifest as a crisis. But if you, for anyone listening to this, if you have planets squaring your nodes, start with the planet that is squaring the nodes and move around the chart in a clockwise direction. And the first node that you hit is the node that the squared planet last made a conjunction with. And that's the node that you have we could say unfinished business with. And if you nourish that node and the planetary ruler of that node, then you'll bring more vitality to the planet that's squaring it. So it's a fun energetic to play with in the chart. That's so cool. That's such a tangible tip. Yeah, it's a little bit geeky and whatever, but hopefully. (laughs) I love that. That's like all podcast listeners, right? Yeah. Um, So... So which one is it squaring for you with Mercury and Venus? Are they both squaring the same one? Well, they square both nodes because the nodes are opposite each other. Or which one were they last conjunct with? So I have Venus and Mercury at 29 degrees of Pisces, and my nodes are at 3 degrees Cancer Capricorn. So it's an out-of-sign square, but still pretty tight. And it's the Capricorn North node that is the resolution node and Saturn is the ruler of that node. So that's why I've been, I focus so much on those themes in my life because the opposite thing too is like fourth house cancer of like just wanting like, just wanting to feel like safe and at home, like already, Mm -hmm. like just, you know, and then moving into this, like, no, I have to construct and build a life for myself that I can relax into. 
mm-hmm. was the kind of mantra that I felt where it's like, I felt like I had all of this like power and creativity inside of me. And I looked around my immediate environment and I was like, this environment, like, I don't feel in relationship to it really. It doesn't reflect who I feel like I am on the inside. And I need to like build something of my life and it will change my environment and I will relax into this environment after I climb. Like that mm-hmm. was kind of the the metaphysics that I was picturing for it. And that's what I've done. Like I've constructed things. I built a website, built a following, built a career for myself and all these things manifested in my life. And then things would come up and I would be like, oh, now I have to let my guard down and relax and like be at home in this. And, um, but I mean, I learned a lot about boundaries too, because I think my Venus, Mercury and Pisces, um, I didn't realize like it's been a maturation process to realize that I have to articulate things that I'm feeling because I have, you know, if I don't do that, then there's crisis that occurs in my relationships. So it was like trial and error, hard lesson, kind of Saturn stuff and really thinking hard about relationship and reading books about relationship and seeing a bunch of astrologers and healers and being like, what's going on? Like, why is there this crisis in my life? And by crisis, I mean like deep romantic relationships where I've met the person first in a dream, then meet them in my waking life. We have an immense psychic connection. I feel like I am so in love. And then the relationship ends and I feel like I've been cast out of heaven and I'm like in full on despair. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the pattern, you know, anymore. I've gotten better with relationships ending um, because it's in a different context. But when I was younger and without a metaphysical or spiritual context around it, it literally felt like my life was over and I had been cast out of heaven. The pain was that dramatic. And so Saturn Aquarius formally studying astrology um, has helped me make sense of cycles and phases and the human condition in such a way that I can interact with reality in a better way still learning lessons all the time but it's like it was just so bizarre like I didn't really feel like anyone understood what it meant to have these deep psychic connections with other people and to feel so like no one gets it and no one gets the pain that I feel either and now I realize that's not true you know but it took me like putting my freak flag up on high, building my freak flag with Saturn and Aquarius to be able to meet people that also have spiritual realities so that when I tell them about experiences I've had in my life, they're like, oh yeah, I totally know what you mean. And oh, I read this thing or I've had that experience too and they can offer me wisdom on my situation instead of me just being like this weird fish in the middle of like a sea where it's like, no one gets me, which is such a Pisces thing. Yes, I so relate (laughs) to that. And also like having it be like healing, like seeing, like being in community with other people and being seen just feels so healing, like that Capricorn um, coming out and like just showing yourself. Yeah. yeah, and like feeling like authority, like I have the right to be here. Yes, like uh, totally. Um, what's your favorite thing about your chart? Um, I love my Venus Mercury conjunction in Pisces. Even though it's squaring my nodes, I I have a relationship to it. Um, do you? And I love. Do you that... write poetry? What? Are you a poet? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I haven't written poem 
poems for years, but I studied poetics formally and it's Mm -hmm. um, integrated and permeated my writing style in general. But there was a few years, like a two year time span where I like identified as a poet and was like, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, I love that. Um, I like that my son is square. You're on a Neptune. It's fun. That kind of like spices things up. (laughs) Yeah. I feel really free to like, um, like people who follow me on social media or like on Instagram might notice that my aesthetic when I have pictures taken of me is like kind of dreamy, like mystical vibe. Um, And I actually feel more myself when I'm like living in a dreamlike reality. Like it's my truth. It's not me like escaping reality. Like there's a definite like, no, that's like the vibe that I feel and that I like to live in. Um, So I feel like that's kind of the sun you're on as Neptune. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, What, what do you, do you love being a small business owner? Um. I love my business, yes, but I really want to turn it into a company someday. Ooh. Like, I would love to have a team because I really like, but I mean, all of that being said, this process of building a business has been so much fun. I think that the I'm at a place where I want to scale up, but I don't totally know how to. And so I'm like investigating that. Um, but it is a lot of fun to, I think what I find the most fun about it is that it's like designing a lifestyle that you want to have and then you just get to like live it, like having the time to do something that you love to do and, um, yeah, getting to gain experience doing something that I love to do and working with other people with it. It's Mm -hmm. just wonderful. Yeah. And like seeing it help them. Must be so yeah. satisfying. Definitely. Like, because I feel like astrology can just change your world. Like, being oh, able really, to, yeah. like, just, like, having the self-awareness that you have these traits and, like, it's something, like, you totally blew my mind when you said that about the South Node in Leo, like, being really condensed into your perspective. Like, that was totally me as a kid was, like thinking I knew everything and it was, <laughs> now it's like I know nothing <laughs> but but like um I just love that that was such a good little tidbit and like learning these little tidbits about yourself and then you can put it into practice and I feel like it gives you compassion towards yourself um it's like that ultimate Pisces like just learning to have more compassion for yourself like learning yes. about yourself yeah oh it's so fun to talk astro speak <laughs> i know yeah. i love it i love when like other people know the language so then you can actually talk about it and you don't just have people looking at you like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah yay cool well that was really fun this was super fun thank you for your awesome questions yeah. it was fun to get to yeah, talk about astrology and ways that it's manifested personally. That's always fun to share stories. Totally. Do you have any, like, last minute, um, I don't know, like, thoughts or ideas or something you wanted to share? 
Um, I just really appreciate you and your podcast. And thank you so much for the space you held for this fun conversation. Um, and sending you lots of blessings for a Saturn return and for any of the listeners, um, lots of blessings on your path. And but like blessings are just always available. Grace is like always there. All we have to do is ask. Yeah, um, I love. Yeah. Blessings for everyone. <laughs> Let it rain. Yes. Uh, can you tell everyone where they can find you and tell everyone about your podcast and where they can find that? Yeah. So I write weekly forecasts at monarchastrology.com, monarch like the butterfly. And I'm Sabrina Monarch on Facebook and also Sabrina Monarch on Instagram. And I post things on Instagram that I don't post everywhere. Like I try to, I'm trying to post every day. So follow me on there for those kind of daily things. And then the weekly forecasts, um, I have a mailing list that you can sign up for. And it's also on my blog. Then I have a podcast called The Magic of the Spheres. And that's also available where you listen to podcasts. And I think that's, that's it. There's details about working with me and on my page. Yay, everybody get a reading from her. She's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Anna. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and blessing us all with your wisdom. Ah, that was so fun. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. Definitely take a listen to Sabrina's podcast, Magic of the Spheres. Give her a follow on Instagram to stay connected with her and see what work she's putting out and what she's up to. Um, If you want to connect with me on Instagram, I'm at blindlovetarot. And I think that's about it. If you could rate and review this podcast, if you have been digging it, then that would be awesome and very helpful. And I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sending you lots of love and smooches. Mwah.